0: I have that one on my mind all week, and that's not a bad thing. Really good, man. Thank you. Before the the power outage, we did have all the best of intentions of doing a sermon series that touched on four of the Advent themes that we uh, hold up each year, peace, love, hope, and joy, and since we only had three weeks, uh, we had to skip joy, Uh, but... You're pretty joyful people already, so we'll uh, we'll talk about hope today. We'll talk, nope, we're not either, Katie. <laughs> we'll talk about love today. <clears throat> we'll talk about love today. Um, our scripture reading comes from first John chapter four verses seven through twelve. Beloved. Let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? God, we pray that in this moment we can hear with clarity whatever it is you would have us to hear today. Speak to us where we are at. Help us not to remain there. Help us to grow closer to you. Help us to fall deeper in love with you. In this moment, we ask that your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Due in large part to overusage, the word love has lost a lot of its meaning. Because of the way that it is overused, love has lost some of its some of its weight, some of its power. We say that we love a lot of things. And since we say we love a lot of things, love does lose some of its meaning. For example, I love cheesesteaks. My family will testify, I mean, I really love cheesesteaks. But a cheesesteak has to be done the right way. You have to have the right amount of meat and cheese ratio, right? And, and, and the meat and cheese ratio has to be greater than the bread ratio. However, the bread must be solid enough to hold the meat and cheese together inside of it. If the bread is not good enough, it becomes soggy and the cheesesteak falls apart, and this is Tragic. But not only do the ratios have to be right, if you love cheesesteak, you know that the quality of the meat and the quality of the cheese has to be right too. And 90% of those things that you find in your grocer's freezer are not going to do it. You need fresh shaved ribeye or sirloin if you can't get the ribeye or some good quality steak from a food distributor. If you love cheesesteak, you know this, right? and you have to use the right cheese. I'm going ahead and throwing this out here now. Provolone is a no. If you truly love cheesesteak, you don't mess with provolone. Cheesesteak has to be melty, not stringy, not stringy melty. So it has to be a good American cheese, patriotic cheese doesn't matter if it's yellow or white, it has to be American cheese, or maybe even Cheese Whiz will do. <laughs> but as you can tell, friends, by the way I'm talking about cheesesteak, you can, you can understand I really love cheesesteak. I mean, really, I love it. But every time I go to the doctor and I get my lab work done, Every time I step on the bathroom scale, I'm reminded that although I think I love cheesesteak, cheesesteak does not love me back. It does not love me back. The same can be said of Duke basketball. Those of you who know me know I love Duke basketball. But Duke basketball only loves me back every five to 10 years. And that makes our relationship unhealthy because I pour out all my passion, all of my, my vigor into to supporting Duke basketball and only every five to 10 years do I get a national championship. All I get the rest of the time are heartaches, nothing but heartaches. That, by the way, is a Barney Fife line from the Andy Griffith Show. I have almost every episode memorized. You know why? Because I love it. (laughs) I love Ted Lasso. Yes. I love The Office. I love good television. I love my television. I'm not sure how it feels about me, but I love it. And I love golf. Whoa, do I love golf. But guess what? It's not mutual. I had a good friend that died a couple years ago. His name was Mark. Uh, Loved Mark dearly. And his obituary, it was listing out all of his accomplishments and his life and all this. And then at one point, the obituary says, Mark really loved the game of golf. But the problem was, the game of golf did not love Mark back. And this was so true, I once watched the man hit five consecutive balls into a pond that he was five yards away from. You see where this is going? You know, we we claim that we love so many things. We claim we love so many things and and the word just gets overused. When I say that I love cheesesteak, what does that mean when I also say that I love my family? When I say I love Duke basketball, what does that that mean when I also say that I love God? Perhaps if some of the things that we say that we love do not have the ability to love us back, then maybe, just maybe we, we don't need to say that we love them. You see, because that's the thing, a lot of these things that we say that we love they do not have the ability to love us back. It's not that they don't, it's that they can't. There's a difference between the things that we enjoy, the things that we delight in, the things that we appreciate, and the things that we just flat out love. Now, love can encompass all of those things. Love can encompass uh, encompass the appreciation and the delight and the enjoyment, and, and then some, because you see, love makes way for mutuality in a godly sort of way. I love this church. I mean, I really love this church. That's that's no secret. And the church continues to love me back. I love my family. And for so long as there's been a Jabe, they've been loving me back. I love my pets. Even the one that to date has, has consumed nine remote controls. <laughs> and, and <laughs> <laughs> I have to use my phone as a remote True story. I love them, though, and, 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 and they love me back excessively. <laughs> I love creation. I love the things that, that are, the things that be. I love being one of those things that be with all the other things that be. And creation continues to love me back with its beauty And with its bounty. And indeed I do love food. Especially cheesesteak. But I do love food. And when the food is, is, is treated with respect and eaten responsibly. And if it's good for my body then it is possible for food to love me back. You can only truly love the things that have the ability to love you back. It is really, really hard, friends, to love something that does not have the ability to love you back. It's really hard. And John makes it quite plain for us. Actually, this is, it's actually kind of hard to preach a sermon from this text because John makes it so plain. He preaches it so well. It's it's rather simple, friends. In talking about love, the main thing that we need to know is that God loves us. He makes that perfectly clear. God loves you. And then John's Preaching through the test, ask the question Do you love God back? Because you have the ability to do so. You have the ability to God, love God back, do you? God loves you. And there's plenty of evidence to support this claim. John points out that the greatest evidence is in the fact that God sent his only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. God loves you. God loves you in in creation, in, in Bethlehem, on Calvary's hill, and in an empty, borrowed tomb, God loves you. There is evidence. It is a love that cannot be comprehended. It is a a love that is radical and, and crazy. It's unmerited. It's persistent. It's unfathomable. Words cannot do the love that God has for you justice. But we use words. And we do our best to try to understand just how great this love is. God loves you. Do you love God back? Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Like, most of us. Here are our good Methodists. We don't just talk about it. We have evidence to support it. Where is the evidence? God did not make us like cheesesteak or television or golf. God made us to love. John says the evidence that we love God can simply be found in whether or not we love one another. Period. That's it. That's the only qualifier. John says, if we love one another, then that is loving God. I told you he made it plain. It's, 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 It's that simple. John says, let us love one another Because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Further, John says, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. And then, later in the chapter, one of my favorite lines in all Scripture, John says, We love because God first loved us. Those who say, I love God, but yet hate their brothers and sisters are liars. Say that again for those of you in the back. <laughs> he says, Those who say they love God but hate their brothers and sisters, they're liars. He says, For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. John says, The command that we have from God is to love God and each other, and you can't do one without the other. It's not complicated. The rhythm of our life should be we experience the wonders of God's love, and then we share it by loving. And then we experience the wonders of God's love, and then we share it by loving so on and so forth experience it and share it experience it and share it not just a hypothetical theoretical love but an actual lived out love the actual love of God that we experience and that we receive and share is not like the word love it cannot be overused it will never lose its power or its meaning the actual lived out love of God keeps on keep keeping on. Receive it and share it. Not theoretically, but with actual people and things that you can see. It's something for us to think about this Christmas. As we give things... And receive things from people that we actually see. Let's make sure that love is our motivating factor love of them and love of God because those two things go hand in hand. Oh, and one last thing to consider. if you find that you can describe your affection for things like cheesesteak or basketball, golf, those things that we claim to love, if, if you can describe those things with great passion and knowledge and affection, but find that when it comes time to, to talk about our love for God. We have very little to say. And maybe it's time to reevaluate things. It's my last time stepping on your toes before Christmas. I'll be the first to say that I'm guilty has charged. If you want a good starting point for the reevaluation of your life to where your love for God, your response to God's love for you, is the paramount thing in life, John gives us a good place to start from. When he says, God is love. We know this because God's love is revealed to us in Christ. Friends, all love starts with God. All starts with God. And all starts out of love. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for making it simple for us. Yet, Lord, you know we struggle so. God, we pray that your grace would work in us in a way that allows us to go about living and loving in response to the love that you have given us, the life that you have given us, in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray for the ability to love our families our friends, strangers, and our enemies. We pray God that we continue to delight in all the things that are worthy of delight, including our time with one another. God, we pray that your love would transform us as only it can. Pray this in all things, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people say,